When you're running an effectively facilitated remote learning experience, there's all the stuff to do beforehand, all the checklisting, the technology, the design, logistics, email, all that stuff going back and forth. Sure, you can do that yourself, but is it the most effective use of your time? And I have to say, in my case, it's not. I should be doing the stuff I'm paid to do, the stuff that only I can do. And this is why I involve a VA in helping me to do this repetitive um, SOP or standard operating procedure stuff, which frees me up to focus on stuff I can charge for. And then, of course, there's all the stuff that you do during your training sessions remotely through Zoom or Teams or WebEx or some other platform. You may have to look after screen sharing, comments in the chat room, polling, breakouts, reactions from delegates, latecomers. And I get that all the time. People coming to my sessions five minutes, 10 minutes late, and maybe their colleagues are asking me to let their colleagues in, or people get locked out, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, all that troubleshooting. And then there's email sometimes going back and forth with technical people or support people or even some kind of logistical people. And that's a lot to handle. And when it comes to delivering the high-value remote training that you're paid to deliver, all that stuff I've mentioned can be too much to handle. Uh, So this is why this week's guest is on the show. Her name is Cassie Labori. She's a virtual classroom master trainer. She's a former senior trainer at WebEx and a past director of virtual training services at Dale Carnegie. In fact, Cassie has written a book on the subject called Producing Virtual Training Meetings and webinars, how to master the technology to engage your participants. I have to say that talking to Cassie today has reminded me of the importance of involving other people so that I am focusing on what I do best and helping someone to help me to deliver the best possible experience for my clients. I think today's episode is going to shake up your ideas in that direction and also going to give you some fresh ones as well. In today's episode, why producing and delivering are not the same thing, why you need to think about finding a producer and where to find someone who can actually be qualified to produce your training experience, how remote training meetings and webinars are all different. That's training meetings and webinars, all different experiences. You could be paid to do three different kinds of things. Where most trainers and facilitators get things wrong, common traps to fall into, What belongs on your checklists for remote training webinars and meetings? Which workshops Cassie offers remote facilitators, coaches, and trainers like you and me? How to add a ton of activity to your remote client's experience? And of course, which tools you can choose from and which to choose. This is the Training Business Podcast. Here's the music. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast every single Thursday. It's Thursday again, so it's a fresh episode of the show. This is the show for people just like you and people just like me. I am a trainer. I'm a qualified coach, accredited trainer accredited coach, two different things. I know you know the differences between those two things. But the point I'm making is that I'm actually doing what you're doing right now. If you're preparing for a session, delivering a session, recovering from a training session, 
I've been through that and I'm through it every single day of the week when I'm training with clients. And this is why I need a show like this, because it helps me to help you to remind myself of the things that are valuable, the practices, the kinds of learnings, lessons that I need to really dive into to improve my experience for my clients. And therefore, I find myself talking to people like you and often inviting people for you to the show who can help you with your training business journey. The goal of this episode and every episode, every single Thursday is the same. It's to help you wherever you are on that journey to start to grow and to scale your business. And for that reason, we talk a lot about theory, but we do a lot of practical things. And today's guest episode is no different. Cassie is an expert in what she does, which is all about producing wonderful, professional, highly reliable training experiences for your clients. And that's exactly why I have her on the show today. Cassie, hi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Where are you today right now? East Coast? uh, East Coast, Western New York. I'm in Rochester, New York, almost Canada. Almost Canada, yeah. (laughs) So um, we're in the middle of COVID still, and hopefully at some point I can drop that word from my vocabulary. But um, the reason I think it's great having you on the show is the fact that, well, I wouldn't say you saw this coming, but it was very prescient of you to write this book, which is titled producing virtual training meetings and webinars. This came out through the ATD Association for Talent Development in December 2020, but you began the process of writing this book long before that. Um, And I think it makes sense because um, you had a a background working for WebEx, is that right? You you worked in in, in producing virtual training. And it's so interesting that, that someone like you didn't perhaps see COVID coming, but you you were preparing for a time when we as trainers, as consultants, as coaches would need to not just deliver, but to produce virtual training meetings and webinars. I It's true. So long ago, I began my career working at WebEx. Well, actually, I was a Microsoft trainer. And then I went to WebEx as a product trainer. It was the late 90s. And, and so... What I learned over the years, you know, as I'm teaching people how to use online meeting software and online training software, mm-hmm. was that each person was always trying to do it all. And so, right from the very beginning of teaching people how to use the software, which was my formal role, um, I soon, you know, changed my focus and became a consultant helping people to be good at using the technology rather than the technology being the the topic. But what happened is people just kept saying, I'm going to have to do all this by myself. And I said, well, you know, the reality is you probably need help. And so the role or the concept of the producer, I guess it probably started off more as production tasks, you know, was implemented pretty quickly for people. And, And I think people have seen that in this last year too, especially where you know, all of us all over the whole world, every industry, we had to go virtual and everyone did it initially just on their own, each person delivering their own meeting or session or training, whatever it may be. And then realizing almost instantly, I need some help. Let me grab a friend. Let me grab a colleague. And 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 so the role of the producer is there, whether it had been formalized or not. We need help. We do. And I, I suppose most of us wouldn't think of this because we're so focused on the content, we're focused on the technology, we're focused on the delivery, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, many of us are working as solopreneurs, wor- working as independent freelance facilitators, coaches, trainers. We don't think of the fact that there's a second role here, which is not just to deliver it, but rather to produce it. Because I'm thinking of, of great webinars I've been through where there's someone managing the chats um, and there's someone then doing the, the, the face to camera stuff. So mm-hmm. that's an interesting pivot where people perhaps don't think of, of the necessity to master production of virtual events, virtual training events, not just to deliver them. Right. So, I mean, if we could define the role of the producer, who that person is, what they should do, and distinguish that from someone who is just like me or, or arguably you, the person delivering that content, the person who's authored and mastered that content, what, what is that production person, that role about? Uh-huh. Right there is exactly why I wrote the book. <laughs> so thank uh-huh. you for the perfect question for that. Uh, it, it, very simple terms. It's just as you were describing. We, we trainers, presenters, leaders of meetings are very focused on content. And hopefully, importantly, the connection of that content that the participants are making or the attendees, you know, our listeners. The producer comes in and says, let me help. I'm going to focus and lead on the technology and the logistics surrounding that experience. Because the reality is when a person is focused on content, it's pretty difficult for them to also think about, how do I make sure all this tech is working? And usually what happens in a virtual meeting or training is because person is often by themselves, they end up focusing on the technology because they have to. That's right. It's why we're here. It's how we're here. And then the messaging, the content that the art of presenting in an engaging way, you know, I used to work with Dale Carnegie. I loved it. Oh yeah. Open with impact. Who cares? I'm just trying to make the session work. (laughs) You know, that's what happens. Technology trumps it. But what we want is for people to not be worried about the technology, to not be thinking about it. And in an ideal situation, the messaging is everything you get. And maybe you don't even remember that you were online when you learned that or heard that or received that coaching. Hmm. Wouldn't that be cool? And so what happens though, is that people just need that help because they don't really know how to run everything. We're not all members of IT. We don't all work for WebEx, Zoom, you know, the, the long list of the platforms. Oh, Most so of many of them, blue so. jeans and, and go to <laughs> webinar. It's just endless. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if, if we're trainers, we almost invariably think of, of, of commonality. What, what is the, the tech that I could get away with using that's got the lowest uh, or the smallest learning curve? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm running a webinar, maybe it's something else. So invariably, we want to minimize the footprint of tech. Otherwise, we just get distracted by it. And, and there are so significant differences between uh, even Skype for business or, or Connect. And, and I find sometimes when I'm working with a client and they insist upon a particular platform, my, my heart sinks because I just don't want to work on that platform because it <laughs> it's just dreadful. And, and oh, one I'm of the them, same. I'm not sure if I should mention one. There's one particular one. And, and yesterday, uh, th- for some reason, it just seems to suck computing power. So the fan goes crazy and all of a sudden, everyone can hear this like a vacuum cleaner mm. noise in my mic. So <laughs> if, we could, if we could say, you know, what, what are the considerations that someone who is a trainer, a coach, a facilitator should, should consider when saying, what is the platform for me that uh, I can manage? And if, if I need to bring in someone else, um, they should be doing these things, polling, breakouts, Q&A, and so on. 
the question was which platform. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's I'm a, asking for your view on, you know, what platform is omni, omnipurposed or <laughs> yeah. useful without being biased. It's difficult because it's a biased question by the nature of it, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, you know, let me just say, I don't work for any of the platforms anymore. I used to work for WebEx and I certainly loved Mm. that one the best. I actually think I'm thankful for that experience because had it been a different platform back in those days, I'm not sure it would have set the baseline for the trajectory of my career. Mm. You know, it might have been, I don't like this, but I worked for such a great one that that I loved it, you know, and so that helped. So I'm very, very thankful. Um, but the technology keeps changing. There's a reason why there's a specific one that is in the lead right now. Mm-hmm. We all know which one it is. We do. Uh, <laughs> that, and they are in the lead because of the things that you just said. They're easy to use and it works for most people. It's intuitive. Those things are very important. We don't want the technology to be so overwhelming. And that mm-hmm. the, the thing about that the technologies that are the best are going to be the ones that are easy to use and work for most uh, settings, for most uh Uh, computers, devices, whatever people may be using. Uh, Mm -hmm. When something is so impossible to connect to, you're not going to use it. And uh, the beauty of the current most popular one (laughs) is that there, it it is simple to get connected and make it work. Mm -hmm. And then if you want more, it is available to you. You can add all the things. That's right. You can, you can. And you don't have to. At the very basic, you could just talk and be on camera. And so the best technologies are the ones that have mastered that and have more available because just talking and just connecting is not enough in most cases. No, definitely not. No, but people see, want more variety, more. right? They want, um, they want to use their, their mice or their hands, not just looking at you yabber on or, or talk and talk and talk for yeah. hours. That's and right. I've had a time, a difficult time convincing some people who, who come to me and they still want to put their their uh, delegates, their employees through an arduous four hours of mm-hmm. um, remote training. And I'm not sure that works. Have you any views on attention spans and uh, how long a, a good webinar or a good training, virtual training should be? Curious. Oh, I do. I'm quite do. opinionated on such things. Great. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Although you're probably not going to get what you're thinking from me. Okay. The answer is, the magic number is, uh, no, my very strong opinion is it's based on your objective. What do you want people to be able to do when they're done listening to you or being mm, with you? And that is going to drive how long you got. And I'll tell you, most people need something different every three to five minutes. Yes. And in my case, yes. I teach people the, the primary focus of my consulting business is to train trainers to be virtual trainers. And uh, I teach courses that are multi-session. They are two hours in duration. I don't have more than 16 people there because they're doing teachbacks and we have open discussion and small group work throughout and they have a break every hour. So those are my objectives though, right? My objectives are when you're done Mm. with the program, you're teaching classes. And so I've got a pretty, my, um, my objectives are, are higher up, you know, skills, analytics, you know, application, being able to evaluate, create, those are higher level learning objectives. And so I need people to do more and be part of it more. If, you know, like I, I love delivering webinars. You and I were talking about keynotes uh, mm-hmm. in the beginning of our conversation. And I, I love that. And I think you can have thousands of people there, which is extraordinarily exciting. I'm not going to ask them to be filling out a spreadsheet, you know, and doing those types of things during a keynote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on 
things that they're going to know and understand and um, be inspired by so they can then go and apply those things. Hmm. So, so that's the so, difference, I suppose, between what, what a, um, a technologist would call simplex or duplex communication. Simplex is just you listen, I talk, uh, one-to-many, and this is where keynotes obviously work, virtual summits. But when it comes to interactive, um, activity-focused training development, small audiences, and, and lots of exchange of views and people speaking, peer-to-peer learning, all that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I think, yes, for the most part, you know, the mm. difference between a keynote and then the breakout workshop or the hands-on training. And I, I like to say, too, that the best the best keynotes or the best big one-to-many sessions that I've attended have also been interactive, you know, where we're doing more than listening. If you think about it, where you have a little bit of audience call and response or turn to the neighbor, those yeah. are usually the best ones. And so I'm a big believer in there's no reason why a, a webinar or a a large audience session cannot be interactive. And then when we go to these higher level objectives, the application of the analysis, evaluation, creation of type objectives, uh, why not make it not only interactive, but also collaborative, collaborative with one another, with the instructors, with the presenters, Mm -hmm. and also, of course, with the technology as well. Hence why when you're doing the webinars, the technology can be simple because it's just maybe chat and polls and sending out information and looking great on camera and your visuals being great. But when you want to do the the training, the coaching, and you want to get into it, into the thick of it, into the weeds, if you will, now you need breakouts. Now you need annotation tools. Now you need, uh, you know, all, all sorts of other things that are going to allow people to do more, hence be there longer. The more I do, the longer I stay. The less I do, I sit there and listen, the, the, the faster I'm out. That's true. That's really true. Yeah. So if we think of your book for a moment, um, section two, learning, doing, fixing. So we're talking about platform types, uh, but I want to focus in on on the concept again of producing the virtual session. Because I think for most people, people listening to this might raise their eyebrows and think, I never thought of having a co-producer or someone producing my session mm-hmm. because it's just me. So what is the before, during, and after of, of producing a good virtual session, like a virtual training? I think, you know, you need to pay attention to what does everyone need? Because if we focus, and this is, you know, if we're all just being honest with one another, you said it in the beginning, uh, we presenters, trainers, we focus on our content <laughs> first. Okay, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Do these slides look great? here's the reality. People need to know what they need to be successful. So at a very, very basic level, they need to have test links for the systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to make sure like, if I'm going to ask them to talk while they're with me, they need an audio connection that's going to work. You know, we've all been to that online session where you called on someone and A, they wouldn't talk to you or B, once they tried to, it was like, some sort of technical, you know, vortex that we went flying yeah. down and it was horrible. So we need to let participants know what's your environment like. You know, we don't want the unfortunate circumstance of things coming into a camera or being on audio that you didn't intend. I think people don't quite realize what what they should do to just be ready to be there. And then also what equipment they need. And then while they're there, we have to set expectations. I did once in early in my career have a person say to me, please quit calling on me. I'm in another meeting. 
Really? We were, we were in a training, you know, we were in a training where it was supposed to be, they were learning how to do something. And so I thought, oh, geez, I didn't set the expectations. Like any good trainer, I blamed myself, <laughs> you know, but ahead of time, setting expectations, all the logistics. And then once they're there, if I've got a group of people with me, let's say I have my 16 people. If one person's having trouble, do I need to make the 15 others who did make it work wait while I help the one? Yeah, great point. And there, there usually is someone who's just not, uh, they're a technophobe where they're struggling with the platform and they're perhaps cursing you and, and it and everything else. And right. they can't get so, something to work and they look like a fool in front of their uh, colleagues. That's really embarrassing. And then we, and like, I don't want that for anybody. No, and so, I, no. you know, I just want to make sure I'm doing as much as I can up front. Mm. To make sure that they have what they need and that in the moment they have support as well, which usually isn't even only my producer. You know, quite frankly, when I'm working with an organization, I will also work with the decision makers to say, who do you have internally in case their computers aren't working? Right. Good point. Yeah. You know, my, my producer can guide you through what's needed, but if their computer's not working or if they've been restricted in some way based on security settings that you've put in place, as you need to do, then what do we need to do? And who's, who can help them? And then you ask for the after too. And so there's all sorts of after things like pulling reports, like attendance reports, um, polling results, um, saving all the screenshots from all the different pieces of data that you may want to mm. curate for whatever reason. Uh, I know it's very important for me when I'm working with my clients to make sure that I have uh, results <laughs> and I need yeah, examples to share results. results. <laughs> Hello, yeah. That's why you paid money. <laughs> <laughs> and so I want to make sure, I mean, I can save those things myself. And, and that's why when I wrote the book, I said, these are the production tasks. The act of saving the results of the beautiful reflection activity that I built and that I facilitated and that everybody responded to wonderfully. Oh, wait, how do I save that? Now my brain has to kick into another side. Mm, where did, where right. did I save it? Where did I save it? That's a big question. <laughs> you know. And then being able to put all that stuff together. So, so some of it's production task. You know, and the best virtual mm. trainers and presenters know of these things. Um, but then there's the realities of how much can one person do in the moment? How much can one person think of? Yeah, for sure. When, when we teach in person, we have a team of people around us generally, even though they may not work for us. Somebody built the building. You know, somebody put the infrastructure in place so that people could get there. And, you know, there's electricity, there's heat. There's uh, oftentimes somebody put donuts out, whether I wanted them or not. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, and I guess someone listening to this might think, well, that's not practical for me in the sense that I'm working from my bedroom or from my tabletop, my kitchen. Um, who on earth is going to be my producer? Well, we can find someone that could be another trainer that that might give you X amount of time. Or as you rightfully said, if you're working with a client, very often it's in their interest to have the training work. So they might have a resource like someone in tech who has a, a number uh, or some kind of link that you can you can bring them in. As I did this week, actually, on a particular platform working with uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs of a particular country. And luckily, they were really anxious to make this work because their participants were in different countries. And there was someone who was literally in the background, silently, camera off, audio off, but they were there. And no one even realized they were there. But if something, and something did go wrong, uh, I actually uh, hung up myself. Um, and they were able to bring me back in. And it, that does happen. And the last thing you want is to fumble around and go, I, I can't believe this has happened. It will happen. So at the very least, we should consider some kind of checklist, tasks, as you have in your book. You've got three mm -hmm. sets of tasks. 
you have a table for tasks on virtual classroom training, tasks for webinars, and tasks for meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of interest, how do you distinguish between those three? Three, Because I reckon, speaking for myself, sometimes I would merge them together. I'm on camera, they're there, and I'm not thinking of them of, them as, of it as being a different event. I, I'm perhaps not distinguishing between webinars, virtual training, and meetings as having separate production requirements. Yeah, well, and generally speaking, they they do have very similar production requirements. Mm. But um, it's important, I think, and, and this is such an interesting conversation. I often open many of my day one trainings and webinars with this conversation because it goes back to, you know, no matter where you are in the world, and these things change based on specifics of, um, you know, culture or um, mm-hmm. just what what would be considered normal for what you're doing. But I know the difference between brunch and dinner. You know, for the most part, like if somebody invites me to brunch, it's probably on the weekend. I live in the U.S. It's probably on Sunday, actually. Yes. And it's probably between 10 and 12 in the morning. Uh, if they invite me to dinner, it could be any day of the week. And it's probably after 5 p.m. I know that I'm going to wear something different. You know, Sunday brunch is a flowery dress, you know, maybe even a cute hat. <laughs> and, and dinner is going to be something different. You know, I know the difference between cocktail. And I think you get where I'm going with this. And so... Yeah understanding what you in fact mean. And I'll often ask my organizations that I'm working with, what do you guys call this that you're doing? And then, you know, there's a long list, online training, webinars. We just call it remote learning. You know, there's a long list, virtual instructor-led training, virtual training. And I go, guess what? I just talked to someone the other day who thought virtual training meant that I'm getting a headset and we're doing virtual reality. And they're like, (laughs) what? So... How do you distinguish the difference? Well, first off, I think an organ- organizations are at a at a place right now where they can they can brand what their online experiences are about. It's what I did when I first started working at Dale Carnegie. We we branded our product. This is what a webinar is. This is what a workshop is. All under Dale Carnegie Digital. This is a webinar. This is a workshop. This is a seminar. Webinar mm. was one hour. Lots of people. We did not limit how many people could be there. Objectives. That's all. And it all goes back to what I said earlier. It's based on objectives and what do I want people to be able to do by the time they are done with this experience. So webinar was large audiences, lower level objectives. Uh, Workshop was less than 25 people, going to be two hours, one session. You know, as you're saying this, Cassie, I'm thinking this has wider implications because if you're selling your time and you're creating a product like um, a, a session or, or some kind of um, event, what you're charging for, it's really in your interest to be very clear about what you call that thing, right. what it, what what it constitutes. What do you what get? What are you buying? Right. What are you buying? Yeah. And then our, so our seminars then, we, we distinguished, we decided that the language we wanted to use under Dale Carnegie Digital, which also had a mission, right? Mm. Bring the, the Dale Carnegie experience to the digital world. So the webinar was one hour, the workshop was one session, but it was two hours long and it had less than 25 people. Seminars were multi-session workshops. Okay. That's what we decided that was within the Dale Carnegie culture would would resonate. That's a clear definition. Yeah. And so you knew, oh, I'm signing up for a seminar. And then that drove the price, that drove the expectations, that drove the experience. And and you knew. And And then it became normal language. Oh, were you delivering a webinar or were you in a seminar? Because that's a very different experience, those two things. And, and so I think that's what we, you know, we have to, 
we have an opportunity right now to focus on that and to brand that. And I think it's exciting. Mm. Um, I worked for the uh, Institute for Nuclear Power and they, <laughs> I love theirs. They decided to call their virtual online leadership training Volt. A Volt. Okay. Virtual online leadership training, right? Oh, it, it's the good. thing, but Volt, it's great. It's nuclear power energy. Like they're they're keeping the world safe from nuclear power meltdown problems. <laughs> That's what the organization does. And so they called their online training that was online bolt. And I just thought it's, you know, it's mm. so perfect for your brand, actually. So at the very minimum, then people listening need to be very clear. Am I doing a webinar? What is that? How do I sell this? How do I brand this? What does it constitute? How long does it last? What's involved? What yeah, kind of what tech therefore is required? So I think there's a danger of we just we start with the tech first and then we reverse engineer and say, okay, what am I doing? Tech first, because we're perhaps conscious, so conscious of what we're doing. But I think the definition or the the, the beauty of, of what you're saying of separating the production from what you're actually delivering is that you don't think tech first. You you think what am I delivering as a product, as an experience? Who needs mm -hmm. it? What is it? What do they get? How long does it last? Right. And then we perhaps choose the tech around that. Um, What's important for hmm. coaches and, and trainers and presenters yeah. to know about the production of things is to to recognize what the tech the tech is capable of doing. That's why I put all that in the book, so you can see. Generally speaking, this is what's out there, and and here's what you're going to be dealing with. So it's important. The best virtual trainers, coaches, speakers, they know the tech enough because it's informing their product. It's informing right. their delivery. And then they can determine from there, what can I do myself and where do I need help? Because the more you learn about the tech, the more you realize, oh, wow, no wonder I have had a hard time. <laughs> this is a lot. And there's a lot that I can do. Mm. And the best techs make it easy to do a lot of it yourself, but I can be better and I can differentiate myself in this market that I'm in if I do it this way, because other people aren't doing this. It's pretty standard right now for a speaker to just be on the camera sharing their slides, wondering if it's working. And That's you know true. What if you want That's to true. differentiate yourself, no more, do more, and be more. So maybe people listening should say, well, maybe I should be marketing a meeting service. I mean, that's one thing this conversation's done for me is thinking maybe there's a, a kind of a sub-product here where I could uh, host a meeting on behalf of someone else. You know, mm. trainers often are called to do that, and maybe someone's not thought of that. It's only happened to me once where someone said, we have a corporate event. Could you perhaps come in and share that event? Mm -hmm. It was for a cement company of all things. And I said, <laughs> okay, uh, it's my first time, but give me some outline and, and we'll see how that goes. So maybe for someone listening, that's a, a thought as regards the kind of thing they could think of adding to the portfolio. But that's distinct from a webinar. So as long as people are clear on, on what the interpretation is on behalf of your client, what, what they think they're getting and what you know you're going to give them, then you've got multiple options. Um, right. and, and then you're better at it. You're offering you are, your clients yes. what you know you can do best. And then when you come in and yeah. you're working with them and they're asking you, what do we need? You know, you know exactly this is what we need so I can be successful when you hire me. Right. It sounds like you guys don't need a webinar. What you need is an X or a, or right. a Volt. Or Volt. You need a Volt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that yeah. so much. <laughs> so you have, looking at the book here, you've got, um, you know, things that people should think of would be pre-session assignments, uh, thinking of content to give people beforehand, and it's amazing how many people don't do that. We're not seeding or preparing our attendees. We kind of bring the event 
on their screens. And then we spend so much valuable time doing all the kind of prep. There is stuff that we could do uh, asynchronous, which means it's, it's, um, it's not live. It's something they're uh, being given to prepare things to read, things to watch. You can send the materials and logins to participants. Again, it's often, we assume that's been done. Perhaps it's not been done. Um, we design and and preload the polls and tests. And a, a couple of times I've forgotten to do that. And then I'm fumbling around with the tech. Um, we schedule the breakout groups and materials. And then you mentioned follow-up. We think of what to do to add value post-session. That's something that's interesting, actually. What, what ideas come to mind to help a trainer to add further value post-event, after the webinar, after the virtual session? What could they do to actually make them Selves even stand out more from their competitors. Mm, my secrets. Uh, one of the yeah. things that I love to do is I actually keep notes. I have a little notebook next to me and I'm on camera too. I'm a very normal presenter on camera. I don't mm. feel like I have to be a newscaster staring in and delivering a monologue. <laughs> so as much as I might like that, reality is I'm a real person. So I have a notebook and when people say things, so this is an example from just yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will. I have a list, and when people say things, so somebody ran this event or a little activity yesterday. We were practicing designing our own activities, and then I had people share what they designed. And uh, one person ran this activity, and ultimately, what happened is we were revealing what musical genre we we are drawn to, and she connected that to how that might help us learn. It was really creative. Mm. So one of the answers came up that one of the attendees was really engaged by 90s boy bands <laughs> and I just oh thought boy. that was so funny <laughs> and then she's like I just dated myself and I'm like you did we had a great time laughing but I noted it and so then in the follow-up email because I noted that and I do this throughout I note little things that come up and that people say that are specific and unique to them and in the follow-up emails and I also have discussion boards that because you know, remember most of my programs are multi-session I'm building a cohort we're working together on and offline mm-hmm. and so I have a discussion board area that we're also residing and I of course went out and did a little bit of research on some 90s boy bands and I ended up in the follow-up email mentioning since you sent me down this internet rabbit hole here's some more interesting stuff about 90s boy bands this one's for you Erica <laughs> you know and those kind of things are personalizing the experience yeah. for her for me and for the group. And I think that that further engages them and lets them, it's about building relationship, building trust. You're listening to people and all of those things Mm. are going to differentiate you from the person that they can look up on the internet whenever they want to and listen to a video not connected personally to them, right? Yeah, that's quite thoughtful, actually. Um, People may forget what they've said and, and the fact that you remember this. And also, I think you could even capture some key statements people sometimes if they're asked about the perception of the training or, or the event what it, what do they think even those comments could be shared with with their you know their line managers and say look this is what your people have said right uh, and people think, want to be heard and seeing yeah. people talk about like when you when you are rec- like what does recognition and reward look like mm. and I, in my experience i can send you know for lack of a better word tchotchkes i can do that tchotchkes <laughs> You know, like a, I could send you a pen with, you know, right. here's here's a pen with my company name on it, yeah. but no one cares, you know? No. What people really care about is being seen, being heard, and being recognized, mm. I think, in For my sure. experience, you know? And so just to your point, you know, you're right. I'm taking screenshots, I'm noting, and I'll even bring it back, you know, 
you know, I noticed what was happening on the discussion board. This was a key theme, you know, with, with uh, you know, this person having said it, you know, and I'll, I'll quote them. Or sometimes if somebody says something creative or compelling, I'll quote them and then I'll put their name as if it was a formal quote while they're talking in the chat. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I just, you know, said by, you know, John Smith or whatever the person's name Or your producer was. could do it if, if yeah. you were, yeah. Right. I have the the producer. Yeah, I I do partner with. I have a couple of people that are regularly regularly scheduled programming with me, and they know my my personality. They know my content. You know, because that's a whole other thing. When you when you do buy into having a producer, you're probably going to find who you like to work with best. And um, I, you know, we built relationship, and we have trust between the two of us when we're when we're presenting together. Mm. My favorite producer right now, my friend Dimitri Zoltek, he he can read my mind and he'll have something in the chat because he knows I'm about to say it. <laughs> and so I say it, he presses send, they come out simultaneously. And I just, I, I instant message him behind the scenes. I'm like, you are incredible. <laughs> so he's like, you are predictable. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I th- I'm thinking of a counter argument here. And so far as someone might say, well, hang on a sec, this is going to reduce my, my margin. Um, I I'm finding it hard to find training gigs. And now I'm going to have to pay someone to lurk in the background and uh, and produce oh, my yeah. content. You know, is there a there is a cost factor here? Um, of course. Yeah. But I suppose you and I would both agree there is merit though in in considering it at least and at least trying it. Um, but inevitably, someone listening might say, "Well, you know, I, it's just me. I I can't afford to." And then even who who can I trust with my content and, and my mm-hmm. audience? Well, I think that's all very valid. You know, we mm-hmm. invest in what we invest in to to determine growth, right? And and how do you differentiate yourself in a market? And I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of session, sessions I do and I can deliver on my own. Uh, for, for me though, when they're higher stake and there's more people, I have a producer with me. It looks better, sounds better, and I know I'm better. Yeah. And, and you and introduce you know, them, Cassie? Oh you say yeah, and they're not them. behind the scenes. In my particular case, I outline different types of producers in the book too. In my particular, oh, right. particular, like my case, I use a uh, facilitative producer, one who is also a trainer who could teach portions of of the content if needed. Uh, that's the kind of producer I prefer to work with. But I work in learning and development. I'm a trainer. That's what we do, and so I have worked with producers who are more behind the scenes, and it's fine. In fact, they'll be doing a webinar on Monday uh, for ATD, and there'll be hundreds of people there. And I, I don't know the producer personally, and they won't be. They'll just be there to make sure it's working. Yeah. I'll send them my polls. You know, They'll get everyone connected, and it'll be my show. And that person will be behind the scenes. But when I deliver my training programs, my producer is very much on camera. There's a moment of they introduce themselves. Uh, they're very active on the discussion board, supporting. Uh, they even do parts of the coaching with me, uh, you know, because when we're doing teachbacks, uh, they get coaching from both me and my producer. Right. So, so this is more than just someone who's a tech, uh, like the, the, the kind of virtual geek. They're not there just to press buttons. Yeah. In my case, I've chosen yeah. that. And that's why I outline yeah. there are different types of producers and the costs mm. are going to be different based on that. And so, you know, yeah. You, have to, you do have to consider the investment. Do you pass um, that on to the client, can I ask? Or is that just something you... I you, have you, it. You take? Okay. In my particular case, what I do is I build in... I found this is what works for me. I have a price and that price includes 
this is this is what you get. And I, I just decided not to say, because I don't actually want to give them the option to say, we don't want to pay for that because yeah, I know that right. I'm my best and that's my product. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's what I've decided. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's different ways to go about it. And I happen to have a huge network of people that I know because of this being such a focus of my career. Mm. I can reach out to people independently and they work for me directly on contract. Um, but there are companies like a good friend of mine launched a company a couple of years ago. And as you might imagine, her company business boomed last year too, but she provides production services to companies all over the world. So she has a team of over a hundred producers that she employs. And you can, as an organization, go to her and say, we've got the following, we need these following producers. And she has a whole process in place to make sure those people show up for you. So these are someone, these are people that um, a learning and development specialist like our listeners, trainings, uh, training consultants, uh, facilitators could could rope in to one of their sessions. Oh, for sure. You yeah. can just say, I, I just need a producer for one session. Right. And um, and it isn't even only for L&D professionals. I would say it's for everyone. Like you, can, you can hire them even if you've got meetings that you're running and you just want help with. So mm. it's, it's really nice what she's built there and what she's put together. And, uh, and when, when my people that, you know, my pool of people, if they happen to not be available on a certain date and time, I, I go to her company and say, can you give me someone? Because I know a lot of the people there too and respect what they're doing. Right. So inevitably, people will, will, will think about this and they'll think, well, I can't afford it. So, but there's an argument which you and I have made, which is, can you, not afford, can you afford not to do this? And I suppose mm-hmm. the more valuable the contract the more important it is that you make a great impression. You don't want things crashing. You don't want uh, to take your eye off the interactivity. Um, you don't want distractions. So there is a business case for doing this. Oh, yeah. It's and it's not as up, much as it? you might think. Oh, yeah. it frees you up. And then you can yeah. get more clients too. Uh, you can manage more clients because maybe you're not having to do all that before and after work. <laughs> you can put that on the producer, mm. depending on how you employ them and what you do or how you use their services. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And it's not, I have found that it is always so much more worth it to do it. And it, it, it hasn't felt like it's cut into my margins all that much. Um, but that's probably a whole nother podcast, isn't it? You know, yeah, pricing. Because so. <laughs> oh, that's the yeah. thing. Because yeah. uh, I don't know, that's a whole thing. Like, does it have to be cheaper because it's online, especially post pandemic? I don't believe yeah, in that. Wow. I believe yeah. very much in the value of uh, expertise and experience, whether that's online or in person is not relevant. Yes. And, and there inevitably, I keep using the word inevitably, I must stop doing that, but there, there is a, <laughs> invariably, another word, there is invariably um, this resistance now. And I, I've felt this myself. People have said, well, you're not traveling. You're not uh, here on site. Uh, you don't have to stay overnight. Uh, we're expecting a reduced price on the face-to-face uh, normal session, but we need to we need to f- to defend the pricing of our products. Well, we have to defend it because vigorously. I would just I would just say you don't have to spend that part. You're absolutely right. My speaker fee remains the same. Mm. Yes, well, that definitely is a different topic. <laughs> it's Strategies to to a negotiate. Very interesting topic. Yes, <laughs> oh, let's boy, lean oh, into yeah. that one on another time. So you've <laughs> right. got you have a group of one session workshops. Uh, you teach trainers like me, facilitators like me, people listening. Uh, one of your sessions is called interact and engage, creating spectacular live online training. Mm. Uh, you have a session, five keys for effective virtual classroom training and celebrations and collaborations of engaged virtual teams. And what's interesting then is you also have a certification program, an online virtual facilitator certificate. And these are, these are not 
at least from what I can see, uh, onerously long programs. These are two-hour sessions and and groups of them. Um, do you think that's important that that someone can say, "I'm not just you know winging it here. Um, I'm not just delivering the training I have or I've always had, and I'm doing it remotely. I'm I'm actually clear on the difference between the the product I have to give your team, your your employees." in a virtual session and how that's different from what I used to do face-to-face. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I, I, people just don't know what they don't know. And, you know, we're just clicking buttons, clicking start and doing our best. And so to focus in and get strategic about your intention, uh, is, it helps you to differentiate what you're delivering. It helps you to stand out. And, and that's why I have these certificate programs to train trainers. I also train instructional designers which often becomes part two for many trainers and facilitators. Oh, yeah. Because we, we look at the delivery side first, which is it gets the most attention because you got to go live. Um, but then inevitably, there's your word, you need to look at then, well, what, what am I putting together that I am delivering? And so that's why I have the certificate program for designers as well. And mm. then because of the book too, and just because of then the next obvious thing, I have certificate programs for producers how do I become a producer? What is a producer? Yeah. And how do I best support the people I'm working with? Um, but but I think so. I think, you know, the more you know, the better you can be about things. You can decide how, mm. how best to bring your brand to your audience, to your clients. And, and I think the other reason that would be advantageous would be that you don't then cannibalize your face-to-face product. You can have a clear separation of what my virtual training product service is but keeping the face-to-face product, if you're still in the possible of position of running face-to-face workshops, you will at some point in the future when all this stuff goes away with COVID. But that's definitely a common complaint people have made to me is I'm not sure how I defend my service now because people are, are thinking there's they're, they're thinking it's the same product. It's just on a camera. That's all. But they can I be love- separate products. Yeah. You know, that's so interesting. I I love that you've brought this up because I was working with a client last year that they came to me, they're like, we have to do our, and there's a tone of less than product online because we have to, because the whole world has to. Mm. So how do we just do it? And ultimately through working with this wonderful group of people, I love them and the work they're doing. Uh, They're Brene Brown certified consultants. And Mm. so it's that training. Uh, they do their own thing too. But anyway, um, they learned, I kept saying to them, why is your online product different than your in-person product in terms of outcomes? Why is it different? And 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 they're like, well, because it's online. Like, but, but why? Are you making your online less than because it's online? That's why. And I helped them just change their whole business. And to your point, yes, it's a different, it's delivered differently, but you're still working with this company and you're still getting high quality outcomes worth the investment to work with me. And I think what we're going to see, because I worked with them last year, you know, and I'm going to check in with them now again, because you've reminded me, (laughs) but I think what we're going to see is that every product is going to have combination of both moving forward for them because they, they realized as they started doing it, we've been missing out. We've been saying we can only do this online. We realize now we can have a really incredible impact online too. Sorry, we can only do this in person. Mm-hmm. That's what they came to me with. I, I don't know how in the world we'll ever be able to make an impact online. And then they had these amazing experiences where they were making impacts online that they didn't know they could ever do. And now they're like, why would I never keep doing this? 
why would I only gather everybody together for a one-day in-person workshop and then call it a day? Why would I not continue to extend this relationship and mm. extend the learning through these online opportunities because I can be just as good here as I am in person? And in some cases, on some topics, especially for longevity, I can be better online than I am in person. And of course, that's what blended learning is. It's it's giving yes. people a whole bunch of touch points. And you could build from, from a, a business perspective, build a product which has a combination of online, offline. Uh, they get you in person. They they have you beforehand on, off online, um, setting the whole thing up. Um, they have you in various... I mean, I'm about to go on a call in, in about uh, 10 minutes for a class. And that is face, that's remote. At some point, we're going to factor in some face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And of course, the more ingredients you have like that, you can build a much bigger pie. You, you can, you can mm-hmm. price these as one big, um, let's call it a journey with a customer. Mm-hmm. And you have a whole bunch of things yeah. you can charge for. So not and just, all of a sudden, something yeah. like that shouldn't cost less, right, Mark? Like, no. That's actually more. It's even more, exactly. I'm with you longer and in different yes. ways, and it's yes. requiring me to know a whole lot about tech, and then I got to do my instructional design in ways that include all of this. You know, so and yeah. and and then ultimately the the return on investment for them stands a greater chance of being more effective because we all know that we don't learn everything in one sitting. So we have this advantage now to help people along the way. I mean, really, it's like the definition of the journey, you know, or uh, in the moment of need. Being able to be there and position yourself as a partner who's in the moment of need. Who who doesn't want that? Exactly. (laughs) And when you put this in front of someone like a graphic and they can see, I'm getting all these value points, all these touch points. There's a there's self-directed learning, there's face-to-face engagement, there, there are activities, people have access to, you know, recorded videos and they get me live. You're right. That becomes a, a more valuable product, and therefore a higher price you can charge. So, if we can flip this around, we're not saying anymore, "Oh, it's online. It's the same product. Uh, I expect it to be cheaper." In fact, it should be more valuable because there's so many different things we can do to increase. You present in the environment you're in. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that I just stand there and be in camera because actually it's pretty boring for most people. Oh yeah, stand there, sit there, watch you on camera, which is pretty much what you do in person. You know, online, I can actually have you doing things that are applicable to your work in that moment. I mean, depending on what the work is, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, We have all this. It's like, we're just going to take the, the, my producing book is going to help people figure out all that the technology is capable of doing and all that they've been putting on themselves or missing out on. Uh, Look at ways to get some help and then start to flip it and say, Mm -hmm. you know what, this isn't about the technology. This is about the experience that I want to create. And I now have this technology in front of me that I can use in ways that I can make my product work best for you. Exactly. Cassie, where can people find out more about you? I have a website under Mm CassieConsulting.com and I'm also all over LinkedIn and I enjoy hearing from people as what uh, as they learn and do the things that they're doing and i i love connecting with people that way and and sharing the things that i continue to learn as technology changes every single day lately you've also got a great <laughs> blog virtual training hero tips <gasps> yes my virtual training hero she was born yeah. last year and she's uh, grown and even changed for this year What's it's her amazing name? <laughs> her name is vivian i vivian. call her virtual viv Okay. And uh, we're in the process right now of turning her all of her tips into an ebook that'll be available soon. Oh, very nice. Able to have access to, and uh, she certainly. I, I have a whole lot of interest mm. in uh, 
sci-fi and fantasy and superheroes anyway. And so she's just a real fun way for me to help provide information and ideas to the virtual training, virtual presenting world in a way that's a bit fun, uh, but also very useful and practical at the same time. <laughs> I can see she's wearing a cape on. on yes. Your, yes. Okay. And of course, then people can find your book and uh, the, the book we've talked about. You have two books, in fact, Interact and Engage, which you wrote with your husband, right? Uh, 50 Activities yes. for Virtual Training Meetings and Webinars. Yes. And the one we talked about today, which is all about producing virtual training meetings and webinars. And people can find that through ATD Press or, of course, through a range of bookstores. We'll not mention the elephant in the room, but <laughs> you'll find it online. <laughs> yes, you'll find it online. And uh, Interact and Engage was my first book. I love it. It's like a cookbook. The idea for me was always that it was a book of recipes. Mm. I want chicken for dinner tonight, you know, and <laughs> you go to the well, chicken recipes. So that's how I organized the book. It's like there's warm-ups, openers, closers, uh, you know, team building, all those different things inside of that. Cassie, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your extremely valuable tips on what is a very topical topic right now with the audience. Oh, Mark, thank you for having me. It was wonderful to be here and I enjoyed the conversation. huge thank you to Cassie Labori for being my guest today on the show. You can find more about Cassie by visiting her website, CassieConsulting.com. That's K-A-S-S-Y, Consulting.com. And of course, you can find the book on a range of platforms, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and directly from the publisher of the book, which is td.org forward slash books. And you'll find Cassie's book. I just had a look this evening, and I think that's book number two in that list of books from ATD. That's the Association for Talent Development. And if you're online or attending events online, you can find Cassie as a regular presenter at events such as TechLearn, DevLearn, and a range of ATD events. It remains just for me to say thank you to you, especially to you today for being our audience, listening to Cassie and me talk about a subject which is very close to our hearts, and I'm sure it is to you if this resonates with you. Or if you've got some great ideas for episodes like this one, please reach out. You can contact me via mark at trainingbusiness.com. You've got some great ideas for episodes. I know this because people just like you, trainers and coaches, mail me regularly with comments, critique, which I welcome, of course, and some ideas for future episodes. If that is you and you've got one in mind, don't hold back. Mark at trainingbusiness.com. I welcome your content, your suggestions, and I read them individually and reply personally. You can subscribe, of course, to the podcast on your platform of choice, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. Fresh episode every Thursday and again next Thursday. Until then, please subscribe, look after yourself, keep selling, keep training, keep safe. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.